Scorp is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a score. So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, spreading ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? Welcome back to Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast. Uh, the one and only Olympics podcast today because we get one of the queens. I can't, we can't say the only queen anymore. We've had a couple on here, but uh, let's say the Canadian queen of Off the Podium now, Penny Alexiak, finally here. We teased it. We teased it before leading into this, and uh, it actually happened. We had Penny Alexiak on the show uh, we didn't even have to get Drake on the line to call in a favor for us or Justin Trudeau or anything like that. Uh, I'm I'm calling. Ben's here as well. And uh, my chair is bolted down. Ben, is yours? Uh, it is. And Drake's with me. But uh, he had to, to, to leave. <laughs> so I've been waiting, you know, 270-odd episodes for Drake to finally make an appearance. But, no, this is, this is so exciting for this uh, chat today because, yeah, she definitely – is a bit of a goat, obviously the most uh, decorated Canadian Olympian of all time and uh, somebody who we've had a very interesting journey talking about over the years, particularly <laughs> going from somebody I don't think neither of us had heard of uh, six years ago to you literally throwing a chair about <laughs> uh, uh, nearly a year or so ago, which i got to say, thanks to technology, we were able to play yeah. that clip in this, which is a bit of a fun reaction from Penny. So I, I bet you didn't think when you she threw that chair, you were going to get her to <laughs> see her reaction. You were looking at her going, how is she reacting to me throwing a chair? I 100% knew that she would hear it. Uh, <laughs> that's how you I did it. it all you the way back then. That, I think that's that's the real fun thing with this interview. You know, she does get to hear the infamous clip of me throwing a chair to get her awarded Athlete of the Day, and it worked. And look, we haven't talked to Mr. Boxer who protested yet, but we got Penny Alexiak on here, so I think it all worked out. One of the things I think is so great about this is, and we really get to go in deep just on how uh, her journey through Rio and how unprecedented that was even for her one of the most surprising things i found out in this is that i mean she wasn't even really looked at as yeah you're definitely a lock she was looked at as maybe she'll be an alternate for rio and lo and behold she'd go on to become the most decorated summer athlete in that games and then go on to become the most decorated canadian of all time in the summer and not even the winter olympics a few years later it's kind of just crazy what she's gone through for a few years there but uh we get to hear about it all here. Uh, and I think the thing too, which uh, I bring up as well from the Australian perspective is famously we know that whole Campbell Chokes storyline of Rio, but in all seriousness, that was probably the biggest shock for Australia at the Rio Olympics is that neither Kate or Bronte won that. That was a lock. We were 100% guaranteed mm-hmm. to win that. We were going 1-2 and neither Kate or Bronte, of course, famously didn't even win a medal. So uh, here, Penny's perspective of that side of things, because I think the thing too, 
from the four, the the one hundred from Rio, of course, is uh, you know a dead heat. The fact that obviously Simone created history as the first African American female swimmer to win a gold medal individually in swimming as well, and just the history that everything came with it. Sometimes I feel Penny yeah. is often forgotten about in that race because, from an Australian perspective, mm-hmm. we're talking about the Campbells not winning a medal. The Americans are talking about Simone's history. Obviously, Canada are talking about Penny, but from outside of Canada, that's not the one that I feel people talk about with Penny. It's just the fact she's won the seven medals. So it's a great chat to learn from her perspective and of course famously 25 meters ago nowhere she was she was last how she got a gold in that i was watching as you hear me say in this interview i'm like how does she win a medal i'm watching the wrong one this is this is london's (laughs) 100 meter freestyle i've I've chosen the wrong one but uh yeah it's a great insight to hear from her perspective of that and her famous reaction of course too uh where she didn't even realize she won the gold medal yeah Yeah, we get to cover it all, and uh, it's coming up in, I don't know, five, four, three, two, one. It's coming. It's coming. It's finally here. Uh, Our fantastic interview with Penny Alexia. Six years ago when we launched this show, uh, there was one star in the Rio Olympics who completely blew everybody out of the water, literally, and has continued to do so for another game since, and maybe a half a dozen or more medals later. We finally have her here on the show. We're talking to Penny Alexiak, the world champion, Commonwealth champion, multiple, most decorated Canadian Olympian of all time. And now off the podium guest, Penny, so glad to have you here today. Yeah. <laughs> Studio <that>. audience. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting them to be so loud straight away. That's, we're not used to that. <laughs> You know what? Uh, we honestly did launch this show in 2016. And uh, at the time, you know, I don't think that on any of our previews, you were on anybody's radar and then you kind of exploded. But I mean, we kind of want to go back even further than that just to find out before we get to everything that's happened uh, in the last six years for you. You know, you come from a very athletic family. You know, I think most of us are aware. I mean, how did you actually get into swimming, I guess, specifically as a sport? Um, Honestly, pretty random. I kind of just my parents always like pushed us to try different sports all the time. So for me, it was just, I wanted to try swimming. I I was doing like dance and ballet and everything. And then I decided to quit and I wanted to try something new. So my mom was a swimmer when she was younger. um, And it just was something I kind of fell into randomly. It's something that as an Australian, we all swim, you know, we're born, we're shoved in the pool. That's something we do. But I always am fascinated hearing the stories about how Canadian guests get into swimming because it's kind of the opposite when we get winter guests on the show from Australia, you know, kind of that way. And obviously with your brother, were you growing up playing hockey with him as well? Like you mentioned the sports that you were doing, was hockey ever something that you ever did? No? (laughs) No, I like... I did figure skating for a little bit and my brother and sister did as well. But, um, I, that was like a very short lived experience for me. (laughs) Did you reach a point, uh, in any other sports outside of swimming where you thought, you know, maybe about pursuing it competitively? Um, the one thing I was getting pretty serious about was actually ballet, which is like weird to think now because I'm so tall and I'm like, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I, I was like kind of in between doing like point ballet and swimming and then I eventually ended up just taking the swimming route. Could you get any of the skills from ballet and use that in swimming? Is there any comparisons that you can do between what? the two that helped you? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I think with any sport, there's always like a way that one sport can kind of help another. And I feel like just with ballet, there was like that discipline. And I mean, everything with it is all like abs and just making sure that your whole body is like, you have to be flexible. You have to be like, everything about it is kind of things that apply in swimming. I feel like as well, um, just with like lengthening yourself and all of the just being smooth and everything like that. I think it's all kind of tied in. And I mean, I'm, I love to do things outside of swimming to kind of help my swimming, like rock climbing and spin classes and different workouts and Pilates and everything. So I think, yeah, anything can help anything almost. <laughs> and, and what age were you when you actually really started taking the sport seriously? I, one of the interesting things I, I found through a lot of these interviews is parents really, you know, uh, encouraging the children to pursue their interests. And when you got into this competitively, were you, uh, were you still quite young or is it something where you, you know, were playing in the little kiddie pool still when you started out? Um, when I first started swimming, I didn't really know how to swim that well. Like when I first tried out for teams, um, when I was like nine years old, I didn't really know like breaststroke, freestyle, anything like that. So, um, I got denied by like three swim clubs in Toronto. And then, um, I ended up going to this little random club and the coach just saw how tall I was. And he was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Like, we'll see how it goes. And then, um, pretty quickly I progressed. So, um, by the time I was like 12, um, that's when I kind of started training a little bit with the high performance center here and there. So from there, I just kind of, I don't know, progressed, move forward. And then full-time eventually when I was like 15 with the high performance center. I, I'm just baffled <laughs> by the idea that a nine-year-old would pursue it that much. I mean, typically, I mean, I, I, as an adult, if, if I'm rejected three times, I'm probably going to say, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Maybe I'll try gymnastics again or hockey or uh, I don't know, table tennis. But uh, at nine years old, you know, what was it specifically? Was it you that you were just really determined? You know, I know I can do this. I want to find somebody who's willing to help me here. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was I just like I've always kind of enjoyed sport. And I mean, I have such a competitive mindset. So for me, it was just fun to like get better at something and then. I mean, when I was like 12, that's kind of when my coach at my first club told me that I would have to go to a different club just because it would be bigger and there'd be more people for me to race and everything. So it was just fun for me to like see how fast I could get. And even now that's kind of the joy of swimming for me is just to see how good I can get. <laughs> I've got to ask the the clubs that rejected you, have they ever maybe reached out to you now and gone, shit, Penny, we may be fucked up a little bit there. Or have you reached out to them and gone, well, you made a mistake, guys. Sucks to be you. No, no. I, I'm like, there. there's not that many. I mean, there's a lot of swim clubs in Toronto, but I'd say I'm I'm on good terms with everyone. I, I have no hard feelings. I wasn't very good when I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, as you're getting closer, you know, to uh, performing, like you said, around 14, 15 years old, uh, how, as far as the training goes, I mean, how many hours would you typically have to spend in the pool just as far as training goes to lead into competitions? Um, when I was 14, 15, it was a lot of training. Um, it was like a lot in the pool and even a lot more outside of the pool. So I was at the pool, like nine times a week, we were probably in the water for like two hours for each session. So, 
um, like 18 hours probably in the water. But then outside of that, I was doing circuits. I was doing weightlifting. I was doing like, I was taking extra classes at school, personal fitness classes. So I could get like more working out in, in my day. So it was a lot when I was like 14, 15, and now it's cut back a little bit, but um, it's definitely more like streamlined now than it was then. When you were younger and you were sort of growing up with those sports you were doing, were you an avid Olympics watcher? Was this something that every four years you would be watching and, and dreamed of, or was it something more that came to you once you progressed in swimming that you thought, well, this could be an opportunity for me to go to an Olympics? Um, I honestly, growing up, I would – we would watch the Olympics here and there. Like it wasn't a huge, huge thing in my family. Um, just, I feel like we were all always kind of doing our own sport at the time. So we didn't have a ton of time, but, um, I remember like 2012, my mom pulling me downstairs, like when I was doing work and she, um, like made me watch like Michael Phelps 200 fly and everything like that. So I, I have memories of watching the Olympics, but it was never something that was really in the back of my mind when I started swimming. I was kind of just like, I want to see how good I can get at it. And I, I always just wanted to be like faster and faster. And that was kind of my mindset um, growing up. And then eventually I was at the Olympics and it was, it was a surreal experience. You answered a question. We often have one of our final questions is what's the first Olympics you in, uh, remember watching, but it generally makes Colin and I feel very old that you can say it was <laughs> London basically. Cause I, I know <laughs> one of the records you hold is you are the, the first ever individual Olympian to win a gold medal born in the two thousands. So yeah. yeah, uh, Colin and I right now, uh, are feeling very old in this episode. We will just add that, but, uh, good to know it was London. And maybe, yeah. you know, it wasn't the first Olympics you went to was the first Olympics. It wasn't when watching. you were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, you've mentioned a couple of times about just being really competitive. And, you know, I, I always find that fascinating with athletes. And I don't, I don't know if we've really asked a lot of athletes just about like how competitive they get, you know, as far as you, let's say, just going into a competition. I mean, do you really have to psych yourself up? Um, is, is this something that's maybe come more with experience and age? You get more competitive, less competitive? Um, I think now I'm definitely still competitive. Like I love racing. That's my thing. I, I'm not really like big into practicing as much just because I hate like having to take that step back and just like think about technique and stuff like that. I mean, I've learned to really love that more, but I love like being able to step up on the blocks and just race. And I used to put a lot of pressure on myself, especially after 2016 to like always win every race that I was in and everything like that. And that kind of got very daunting, but now I just like to go and like, see what I can do. And, um, after my race, see what I can fix. It's, it's pretty fun. You mentioned about when you were sort of learning and not knowing the strokes and all that kind of stuff. At what point do you then realize, okay, freestyles for me, butterflies for me, because I can imagine it's a bit more of a different say if you were good at breaststroke it's probably going to be a little bit different to that level of, of freestyle was it just a case of the coaches saying you're good at these penny you should pursue these or did you just enjoy freestyle and butterfly more um i actually used to be a backstroker when ah. i first kind of started swimming so like when i was probably 10 to 13 14 i was doing a lot of backstroke and i held like some random national records in canada in backstroke at the time wow um, but then for some reason, when I was like 14, 15, I think it was because I was 
um, like Ben Titley was projecting for me to be an alternate on the four by one women's relay and the four by two. Oh my goodness. Sorry, my dog. But um, <laughs> we always like the extra sound effects. It's fine. You know, we appreciate that. Dogs, children. Yeah. Colin's children <laughs> actually have been quiet for once. So it's, it's kind of good today. Yeah. I love it. Um, but what I was saying with Ben was that I was expected to be an alternate pretty much. So um, I think he was kind of just trying to get me as fast as he could so that when we got to 2016, that I could just be a good alternate for the relays or be a good like third position for the relays. And then um, we just found that butterfly kind of helped my freestyle and it was kind of a good warm up for a lot of my racing and everything. I could do a little 50 fly at a pro series before I had a hundred free or something like that. So um, I, that's kind of where that came from. And then I guess I, I really, enjoyed them both and then ended up getting better at them, which was fun. <laughs> we had uh, Kylie Mass on here a couple of years ago. So it would have been interesting for you both to be competing over that backstroke spot and <laughs> fighting it out for gold and silver, that event. Um, yeah. now, one of the things, like, like you're saying, you know, you were looking to be potentially an alternate on Rio, which again, seeing what came out of Rio is absolutely insane. Uh, mm. One of the things that we found, I guess, is common with a lot of athletes is, you know, having those experiences of these uh, multi-sport games to get ready for, you know, um, Commonwealth Games, Pan Am Games, whatever it is. Uh, you really didn't have that opportunity. I mean, you went into Rio barely 16 years old. Um, mm. I guess World Juniors, is that really the only experience you had at uh, a large event? Um, yeah, I went to a, a couple little meets with like team Canada. Like we went to Australia, I think in 2014. Yeah. Um, it was just like, I honestly don't even remember. It was so... yeah, probably somewhere like Sydney. It's, it's not important. It's no, yeah. honestly, it might've been Sydney. I think it was, but it it's was all right. It's like a, a... It's a, people always talk about that as the big one, Penny, but it's fun. It's the forgettable of the big cities. It's fine. You can no, say, it. no, I just honestly, like, I feel like I've traveled so much that I don't even make note of where I am anymore. I'm just like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to swim, get out, you know? Um, but yeah, I remember going to Australia, but it was all like junior swimmers. And then I went to world juniors in 2015 and then, yeah, I, I went to the Olympics and my parents were honestly a little bummed because, um, I think it was, I don't know what junior meet was that summer, but it was in Hawaii. And my parents were like, they really wanted to go to Hawaii that summer. <laughs> but, uh, I think they enjoyed going to Rio as well. <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee you probably wasn't Hobart where I'm from, Penny, that you went for the, those swimming, uh, that event. But in the lead up to Rio, I mean, Colin, you mentioned the World Juniors, six medals, World Juniors, not bad. Uh, you went to mm -hmm. an age group meeting in Canada when you were 14, where you got 10 individual medals and three relay medals. Not bad. Um, yeah. I mean, at that point, sort of in the lead up then when, Obviously, you mentioned you've been talked about as an alternate. At what point do your coach or sort of Team Canada all of a sudden look at you and go, okay, alternate maybe, <laughs> but probably somewhere a little bit better than an alternate. She might do all right, uh, you know, as just a member of the team rather than an alternate. It was honestly at trials um, when I, like, was coming first in the events, everyone was, like, a little bit surprised, and I was honestly surprised that I was able to drop that time. Um but even like during trials, you get like nominated when you, the team like isn't announced yet, you're nominated. And I remember my mom being like, well, they might not even take you. Like you might be too young to go. So don't go like telling everyone you're on the team yet, um, <laughs> which was funny. But um, 
yeah, that was kind of when I was like, oh, I mean, I guess I could kind of do something with this a little bit. And everybody else as well. I mean, it wasn't just you. We'll kind of get into the, the individual medals that all came in Rio, but I don't think that there was a lot of expectations on Canada as far as mm-hmm. swimming goes going into Rio. And yet there was you, there was Taylor Rock, you know, the, it, it, Kylie Mass. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, was there any type of feeling or any type of even internal prediction that maybe there was something that was clicking, particularly with the, the women's side of the sport in Canada? I mean, not that I know of. I know, like, going into it, we all, honestly, the vibes were really, really good within the team. Like, everyone was really excited to be there. We were such a close-knit team in 2016, and just, it was such a fun meet to be at, and you could feel everyone picking off of each other's energy, and it was, it was just, like, fun to be at, and just fun to kind of be a part of this whole, like, historic moment for swimming in Canada, and it was the beginning of like where we are now, which is kind of crazy. What was that moment like for you when you knew you were going? And did you have a moment where you realize you're an Olympian? Is it when you're chosen? Is it when you land in Rio? Is it the first time you're on the blocks there? Like kind of what was that realization sort of hit you? Um, I think it kind of didn't hit until after the Olympics, honestly, because it was such a whirlwind in 2016. It was like we had trials and then we trained a little bit and then went to Rio and Rio was so fun and there was so much to do there. Um, and it was just like the meet was over so quickly. I remember it went by so fast and then I came home and there was a whole new whirlwind of things that I had to deal with and opportunities that I got presented with. So it was, I think it was like when I got home and I was like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I find interesting because you're, I think the swimming events were in the first week of competition. Am I right? Yeah. 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 And then you're still there, you know, for the, the, the closing ceremonies flag bearer. I mean, I have to imagine that, uh, you know, you're going through this competition. I can't imagine any 16 year old again, well past 16. I can't imagine yeah. myself going into something like this, experiencing one medal, let alone medal after medal after medal being the most decorated, you know, summer Olympian of all time, you know, you're, you're barely 16 years old, then you're there for the entire duration. I mean, was there any opportunity to even relax throughout those two weeks? Cause really you spent the entire time in Rio. Um, so actually funny story is I didn't spend the entire time in Rio. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, after the meet was over, I think it was like the day or the next day after I really wanted to go back home to Toronto. Like I really wanted to see my friends back home because um, there's so many parties and everything that happened at the Olympics at all the different houses and everything. And I was 16 at the time and I was just like, I can't go to these. So I don't want to just be sitting in my room. Um, And everyone was telling me that I had to stay in Rio because they're like, you're probably going to be announced as the flag bearer. And I was like, okay, then I'll fly back. But like, I really want to go home. So I actually flew home to Toronto on like a 10 hour flight or something like that. And then, um, I stayed in Toronto for a few days. I went to the humane society and I got a cat. And then I also went to like Canada's wonderland, which is a big amusement park here. And everyone was like, you look so much like that girl at the Olympics. And I was like, yeah, everyone's been saying that today. So I just kind of like was brushing it off. And then, um, then I got announced like two days later as the flag bearer for team Canada. So then I flew back to Rio and, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a big, big whirlwind experience. (laughs) 
So had you not been picked as the flag bearer, uh, were you still planning to go back just so that you could take part in those closing ceremonies, have that experience to check off? Um, I think so. I don't remember what my mindset was with that. I think I was just kind of like, I was just enjoying and like trying to soak in everything that was like the Olympics and all of these like people that now knew who I was. And it was, it was really fun. You, you mentioned your cat. I believe it's called Rio, uh, yeah. which I, I love the the name of that. Um, was this always a plan or was this sort of like a reward to you that, hey, I've done okay at the Olympics, I'm going to get myself a cat? <laughs> um, I am obsessed with dogs, so I actually was trying to get a dog and there weren't any dogs really at the Humane Society or anything at the time that I really wanted and then I was like, honestly, I like kind of want a cat. And so we just randomly got this cat and it was this little kitten and she was so cute and she's still at our cottage now. And she, she's adorable. I like to hear that. <laughs> I'm definitely a, a cat person. So I, I, I liked really? seeing that when, when you got uh, Rio, I have to ask with the Olympic experiences just outside of the, the competition side of things. I mean, how did you find everything else outside of that? You mentioned everything that was going on, but did you get involved in things like pin trading where you're bumping into like Rafael Nadal and like Roger Federer and people like that at the <laughs> Olympic Village and that that you probably don't really get to rub circles with too much in swimming? I mean, how was all that outside of the competition side of things? Yeah, I think that was the craziest thing for me was like seeing all of these insane athletes in one place. Um, I was having the best time. I was pin trading with everyone. I was like, going to every single little like activity you could go to in the village. They had all sorts of things to do. So um, I think it, I honestly, I think I can like attribute to my success to just like being distracted from it. <laughs> like I was just having such a good time that I just wanted to like keep the good times rolling, I guess, throughout the competition. <laughs> And, and as you're picking up the individual medals, you know, uh, for both um, individual and for relays, um, does does it start to weigh on you at any point? Like, I, I also have to imagine that, especially during Rio, where, you know, we're not quite at a lockdown yet, you know, everything's still very open. You had mm -hmm. to be aware of, like, the buzz that was going on, especially back in Canada, because maybe one time in history, uh, really only one time in history with Cindy Clausen is Canada mm -hmm. ever experienced an athlete who's, winning that consistently you know did did you really uh, know any of that what was going on and at any point did it start to weigh on you did it start to put any pressure in um i definitely it wasn't really weighing on me too much i was trying to stay off my phone a lot during 2016 um just because even after trials there was this crazy influx in like social media and everything like that all of this like different attention so i was trying to kind of stay away from that um, and I always have, like, I never really read any sort of like swimming magazines or anything like that. I just kind of stay away from it. But, um, uh, it was, I, I just remember after the competition, like looking at my phone and seeing like so many messages, so many like Instagram things, tweets, everything like that. And it, it was weird to me, but I, I, it didn't really hit until. I landed in Toronto and there was like all of these people at the airport and everything. And it was, it was crazy. There you go, Colin. She did get your message back in 2016. You can, yes. um, you can clarify <laughs> that. She, she, she definitely get that, did get that. Yeah. One thing I want to touch on, obviously with the 100 meters talking about that, but I don't know, obviously you're in your world, you're in your competition bubble. So you're not focusing on other things, but the Australian perspective, we went into that. This is a lock. 
This is a Campbell one yeah. too. This <laughs> is the easiest gold Australia is going to win of the yeah. Olympics. And I remember even on this show in the lead up to it, it's like, yeah, who's going to win bronze? And it was probably the biggest shock we had back in Rio was the fact that not only mm-hmm. did neither Bronte or Kate win, they didn't even medal. Do you have much of a rivalry with Kate and Bronte? Like, sort of, were they always sort of ones that you looked at? I mean, obviously, Kate set two Olympic records in the lead up to that final, yeah. so she was on pretty good form there. But I mean, were they kind of always the benchmark when you'd go into a race like that? That, okay, what are the Campbells doing? Or is it a case of you look at everyone else and they're just all your competitors? You don't focus on one or two other people separately. Yeah. Um, so honestly, leading up to 2016, I, like I said, I don't like really, I'm not that deep in the swimming world, like myself. So um, I honestly didn't really know anyone that I was competing against in 2016. Um, I kind of just went in, I was having a good time. And um I remember my coach like pulling me aside and being like, you don't know any of these girls. And that's kind of a benefit for you because no one can really intimidate you because you don't even know who you're racing against. You're just trying to beat them. So for me, I've always kind of, I mean, now I know everyone a little bit more personally. So um, there's that, but I kind of just try to keep in that mindset of like, I'm, I'm just here to race. I'm just here to get my hand on the wall first, just like you are. So for me, it's kind of – that's just all I'm trying to do is my own race. I'll just apologise now in case Australian media yeah. was any, um, you know, frosty or salty to you after the race because, you know, oh they, they were probably still a bit salty. But I, I, I rewatched it. <laughs> I it's Well, I mean, it, that's that's probably good because I still think they're still complaining about it some media circles in Australia <laughs> six years later. But we're not one of them here and off the podium, so don't worry about that. But I, I think re-watching the race before this interview, the amazing thing about it is you're nowhere – with like 25 metres to go, you are nowhere. You're not even in a medal position. It's like, how does Penny get a gold here? I'm watching this guy. Am I watching the right one? Am I watching 2012 here? Like, how, like, do you remember that? And, like, your reaction is priceless, obviously, when you realise that you've got the gold because I can imagine that in a race you've obviously got some awareness of where people are around you. But, like, just take us through that last 25 metres to realising that, holy shit, I've actually got a gold medal here. Um, I just remember flip turning and seeing that I was like dead last. And I was like, okay, you just have to bring this home right now. And even going into the race, I just remember I was really nervous for it just because I really wanted to do well. And I think I was like seated second or third or maybe fourth. I don't know, but I was like seated in that top area. So I was a little bit nervous for it. And it was like one of my last medals, I think it was either my second last or my last medal. I don't know. It could have been my. You've won too many, Penny. It's all right. You get you, you, you forget about them. It's um, fine. You're allowed to. Lose you're allowed to. <laughs> I was I was nervous, so I remember just flip turning and being like, "Okay, just bring it home as hard as you can right now." And um, you can't really be upset with yourself. You put in all your effort. So I just tried to get home as fast as I could last 20 meters. I, for some reason, put my head down and decided not to breathe for like 20 meters um, and touched the wall. And I literally was like staring at the wall for a minute, just telling myself like, <laughs> it's okay if you came last because I saw, I think second and third had already like touched. So I was like, it's okay if you came last. Um, yeah. Like it doesn't matter. You tried your best. Your legs are hurting right now, which means you tried really hard. And then I turned around and I literally started reading from the bottom all the way to the top because I 
thought I came done last. Wow. I'm, I'm so I'm so glad to hear that story because uh, you, now there's these moments that will be replayed for all of time. You know, I mean, you, you mm. probably have seen it at least in TV coverage on Mark Tewksbury's Barcelona win, you know, is famous. And yeah. you know, then yours, I mean, everybody kind of has that image in their head of your shock at seeing that. And they remember that. So really here, I honestly thought, oh, maybe it was just the fact that, you know, hey, it's a goal, but the fact that you <laughs> weren't even thinking you were in it. I, I will say, I think Maggie McNeil has topped you now for the, <laughs> the most shocked expression yeah. ever because yeah. <laughs> you literally couldn't see it. But uh, uh, aside from the, the 100 meters, I mean, uh, the relays in particular, there's so much shuffling and everything that goes around. Um, we had Brittany McLean on a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. And uh, just talking to her about, you know, do you know you're going in? Uh, how much notice did you have? I mean, it, were you at the point, I guess, particularly with uh, the second relay, that you kind of knew, hey, what, I'm going to be there. And uh, I guess going into the semifinals, is there strategy that was discussed, whether it was, you know, you have input in her, if it's just on the coach's part, you know, let's save her for this. Let's not uh, wear her out just throughout the heats and everything. Um, I think just overall, my coaches usually try and rest me for relays just one like I'm typically racing quite a bit throughout like world meets and everything um with my own individual events but also just like mentally knowing that I'm really fresh going into a relay and just like being that anchor and getting to step up and like really see like how fast I can get um I love that so I think my coaches just kind of want to give me that time to rest and like really like put in all my effort for a relay one fascinating stat that I found out for this interview, Penny, was that through all the records that you did set and obviously broke a bit of a drought for Canada for a swimming gold since 92, as Colin mentioned, since Mark Tewksbury, and then female gold since 1984. In the history of the Olympics, Canada have only ever won two freestyle gold medals, and your gold medal was the first time since 1912 that Canada yeah. had won a freestyle. Why do Canadians not like freestyle? What What is going on here? Like freestyle. Oh, we do now. You do now. Yeah. But I mean, for, for 104 years, you didn't. I mean, what, what, why did it take to you to win there? I, I mean, freestyle is the best stroke, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's kind of weird. I feel like there was this, there's like this golden like group in Canadian swimming right now of just like these crazy talented athletes. So I don't know what it is, but I mean, it's cool to kind of be a part of that and be that 104 year later Olympic gold. Because <laughs> I'm sure Mark and Anne can talk to you, but I don't think George is calling you up 100. I mean, I don't know if he's still with us. So if he is, good for you, George. But were these, I mean, obviously you don't go into an, a meet like this thinking I'm going to break these records, but what's it like when people sort of bring that up to you that all of a sudden like, hey, it's been 104 years since Canada has won a freestyle gold medal at the Olympics. You're like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always so focused on just my own journey. So half of the stuff I do, I don't even realize that I'm actually doing that. Like I wouldn't have known that fact until honestly right now. So I don't know, for me, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just trying to see how good of an athlete I can be and that's always at the end of the day. My You're doing okay focus. with that, Penny. Just uh, yeah. I'll give you some feedback, <laughs> constructive criticism. You're doing okay. Might do a bit better, but you know, we'll get yeah, to the end of that in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, between Rio and um, uh, Tokyo, what's the next Olympics? Tokyo, Tokyo. Yep. Thank you. I should know this. I'm an expert. Uh, we're, the, we're on an award-winning Olympics you. podcast. Well, that's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> you don't even know where the last Olympics were. We'll, we'll skip that. We'll edit that out in post, shall we? Uh. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I always find it interesting uh, with, I guess, swimming and even with uh, sprinting with track and field that uh, athletes kind of have these different approaches. And uh, one of the things I found interesting with you is that uh, compared to a lot of other swimmers out there who join the ISL or out there competing as much as possible, you've been more selective. And obviously with the results you had in Tokyo, it's something that's paid off. You know, do you, uh, do you really make a decision that you want to reserve yourself for big meets? Uh, what, what's kind of the mindset you went into between Rio and Tokyo to maybe be more selective with how often you compete? Um, so honestly, my mindset <laughs> between Rio and Tokyo is just, I like, there's a, I learned this over the last few years, there's a huge high right after the Olympics you get where you're just like on top of the world. You just competed at the craziest event. And then you go into like a super low lull where it's just nothing is really as fulfilling as the Olympics are, you know, that kind of atmosphere and everything like that. So for me, I spent a couple of years really struggling, like mentally, just wrapping my head around the fact that like, one, I'm not competing with as many people around and I'm there's, it's not the same atmosphere, but also just, I had so much pressure on myself after Tokyo or after Rio, where I thought I had to literally win every single race I ever entered at any meet. And when I wouldn't, it was like soul crushing for me. So for a while, I kind of just like took a step back and I was like, okay, it was really daunting for me to compete at all these different meets and everything. And I was always way too nervous going in and I didn't really know how to control it. And then 2018 was the first time that I didn't go to like a summer meet. And that was pretty crazy for me because I didn't know I could even have that option. Um, and then after that, I've kind of been like, trying to just build my confidence back in racing because I really do like racing a lot and I want to get more races in, in a season, but then, um, I mean, also COVID hit. So then we couldn't really race as much in general, but, um, now I'm trying to definitely just get back into more like pro series and smaller meets and everything just to kind of get that conditioning. in. I think it's really good for racing and it's really good for those big meets. Um, but I mean, I'm not really a short course swimmer, so that's like the only reason why I'm not doing ISL. Is there much work that gets done sort of in that period too, say with sports psychs? Because you mentioned sort of the attention that was on you in, in Rio based off trials and then obviously a bit more pressure after you win a few medals at the Olympics. But does working with a sports psych help with any of sort of that mental aspect of the sport that can kind of transition in to when you go into Tokyo and get back into that mindset mm-hmm. you were in going into Rio? Yeah. Um, I started kind of working with a sports psych right before Tokyo, um, kind of the year leading up before that I wasn't like, I had like a few years, like from 2017 to like 2019, where I was like really struggling mentally. And then 2019, I decided to start talking to a sports psych and then leading up to 2020 slash like 2021, I think it really made a difference in kind of everything I was doing and my perspective on racing and training and everything. So I think it was something that was really, really like important and I really needed it. 
Tokyo, you're going to break a very important record here in Canada, a record that probably should never be broken by a summer athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things that uh, I remember from, it might have even been immediately after the uh, the 4x100 medley, was uh, you commented on breaking that record, becoming the most decorated Canadian Olympian of all time in the wrong Olympics for Canada, which should be the wrong Olympics. And uh, if, if I remember right, you actually mentioned that one of the things you were happy about was you were you were actually glad it wasn't one of the individual events, that it was uh, the team event. You, am I right on that? Is that something that you can maybe elaborate on a little bit, uh, being able to do that with the team? Yeah, um, I'm such, like, I love relays. I think they're so fun. And um, I got into swimming because it was something fun for me to do. So I think just being able to like stand on the podium with a group of girls that I train with all the time and just be there celebrating one, our success together, but also just me becoming the most decorated Olympian. Like, it's just so cool to kind of be there and know that I got there because of relays as well as individuals, like literally all three of my, or no, two of my medals last the summer were. Again, you're again. Lose track. I don't wow. know anything about myself. I, I told you, I'm just here to like do my job and get out. So yeah, I mean, it's just fun for me. I love relays and um, I'm like always so grateful for the girls that I get to train with. So to be able to like step on the podium with them anytime for me, I, I love it. Which going into Tokyo to, I mean, does it, obviously it's a different Olympics given what happened with COVID, but do you go into a second Olympics now with that experience from Rio with, <clears throat> excuse me, a different mindset and sort of look at different goals? I mean, obviously you, you get a, a bronze individually in the 200 metres, not obviously able to defend the 100 metres, but still get fourth and a, a time that would have won you gold four years prior mm. anyway. But I mean, do you set yourself little targets like, okay, defend the 100 metres, in individual medal in this event, or is it just a case of whatever happens, happens, I will do my best, and if I get some results with it, that will be great? Yeah, I mean, I think I always have targets in my head. Like, I always have somewhere I'm trying to be, and, like, I really am working towards it all the time. Um, but I think I also just try to keep in the back of my mind that, like, at the end of the day, you're going to try your best, and you can't really – that's all you can ask. And I always love to like, look at my races after and see where I could have fixed things and where I can be better. And my career is not over. I have so long to go. So I'm kind of just focusing more on just every time I'm in the pool, when I get out, I want to make sure that there's things that I can fix because the day that I like look at a race and I'm like, that was perfect. I can't do anything with this is like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to be done at that point. So it's kind of fun for me to like, see these little like tweaks in places where I can fix things. That's just scary. Sorry to jump in there, Colin, but to, to hear those words, uh, yeah, I'm young. I've still got plenty of time. I mean, I know you, you're friends with Michael Phelps. Do you just get this from him? Like just a case of like, oh, seven medals, Penny, that's not much. Like I won that in one Olympics. You can keep going. Like I feel like Phelps is in your ear telling you to keep going, but he's record <laughs> maybe. Um, no, no. I think it's just more like, I have so many things I haven't achieved yet. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm always working towards something. I like, I always just want to be better, get better. And it's, it's fun to like be at the top and it's fun trying to get there. Um, so for me, it's just enjoyable. You know, you would finish Rio 
barely 16 years old. Now you're very experienced 21 year old with probably multiple <laughs> Olympics still ahead of you. And you've already broken this record. Um, have you had any opportunity? You know, was there a congratulations from Cindy Clausen? Uh, was there a, I'm coming for you from Andre de Grasse, you know, at the next <laughs> Olympics, anything like that? Um, I think I, I, Andre, I, I mean, Canadians are so nice. So yeah, Cindy Clausen <laughs> reached out. Um, I've had so much support. Andre de Grasse is like one of the nicest guys ever. And he even always congratulates me, but I, I know he's like there. He's always going to be there behind me at the Olympics. So well, there's a competitive guy. <laughs> he, he definitely, yeah. He definitely pushes me to want to be better. And um, I mean, getting to just watch Canadians like do well at the Olympics, that's motivation enough. And you got tweeted by the prime minister when you break the record as well. I mean, yeah. not everybody can do that. Did, did you sort of, when you're looking at your phone eventually, uh, is that just one you're scrolling through to, you know, prime minister, sure. Or was that sort of one where <laughs> people are like, Penny, Penny, Justin's tweeted you. You've got to look at this. Um, honestly, I'm so just like with social media, I'm like, uh, like, you know, <laughs> I try, I try to stay away from it a bit. Like I love like posting and things like that. I think it's fun, but um, I'm honestly not that big on like seeing. You don't even realize on. he tweeted you until I just told you right here. You're under the prime minister like, tweet me. Gotta oh. scroll back a few years. That's not. Nice. I definitely like noticed when Drake did it. That one was like prime <laughs> minister of Canada. You know, Bugger Justin Drake tweeted me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's the most Canadian thing I think I've ever heard on this show. That's brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> uh, along with you know, being tweeted by the prime minister, I have to imagine having your own box of Cheerios. Like, is that a big deal? Is it, did, did you get free Cheerios out of the deal? Yeah, I, I got like a ton of boxes of Cheerios. And I mean, my parents even bought like, I probably like 10 boxes just in case they like <laughs> lost nine, I think. Um, but no, it's, it's so cool. I feel like I've been presented with so many crazy opportunities in Canada and um, it's, it's stuff that like I never ever dreamed of or, anything I saw myself doing when I was a kid. So it's, it's crazy. Got to ask a question, Penny, of all the honors, all the tweets, all the reaction you got to everything. Have you ever that you're aware of known of somebody getting so angry that <laughs> somebody didn't award you something that they threw a chair? I'll just ask you that question first. <laughs> A chair? I don't think so. All right. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm here, here to blow your mind, Penny. I'm going to give you a bit <laughs> of a background here. So on the day that you won your medal that made you the most decorated Canadian. The seventh. The seventh. Uh, this was on day nine yeah. of the Tokyo Olympics. And every day on the show, we award an athlete of the day. We like to present somebody who we feel deserves the honor of the off the podium athlete of the day. It's very esteemed. Very, very esteemed. And we often sometimes don't like to just go for the obvious, like, oh, this person won 20 gold. Here's a, you know, we go a bit different. So on that day, Colin, myself, now co-host Jared, decided that we would, at the time, award it to a French boxer by the name of Murad Aliyev, who on that day, I don't know if you remember, he had lost a bout and was protesting by sitting in the ring and he wouldn't move. He basically, they were like, come on, mate, you've lost, leave. Jared and I love that. We thought that was fantastic. Colin, yeah. obviously the proud Canadian that he is, wanted to put you up for athlete of the day. Now, I've got a clip here to uh, play today. Just Colin's 
very subtle reaction to you not being named athlete of the day. So uh, <laughs> let's let's just see how this goes. I'm telling you right now, I want to know where that is because I want to record it and see it myself. But that's not athlete of the day. <laughs> Yeah, he is, because I'm giving it to him. <laughs> I miss it. Forget this. Not happening. This is not happening. I want you to see what I'm about to do, Ben Waterworth. I am pulling a Novak. No, this is not happening. No way is Penny not taking athlete of the day to a guy who said, watch me protest. This is a protest right here. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit here just saying the name Penny Alexiak and do her Penny Alexiak's athlete of the day. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. How many more minutes do I have? That's one. 44 more to go. Penny Alexiak is athlete of the day. Have I won you over yet, Ben? The good news, Penny, is he did win Jared over. I sadly didn't I, budge. Uh, uh, but you got athlete of the day at the end of that. But have you ever heard a reaction like that before to you not winning something? That's amazing. No, I might have to start reacting like that now. <laughs> I want to add that that for our co-host Jared swaying his vote to you, I mailed a box of Penny Alexiacos all the way to Australia. So you you oh. have been eaten. Your a box of your Cheerios has been eaten way off continent. Thanks Yay. to this. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm just saying so he funny. literally threw a chair. Like I like, literally. Is it the chair? Is it the chair you're sitting on now, Colin? Is this? The no, thing no, no. Going? I wouldn't. Sh- I wouldn't throw this one. This one costs too much. Really like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other chair is gone. <laughs> There's a level of chair throwing there, but uh, <laughs> it was it was honestly one of our uh, favorite moments here on on the show, Penny. I've never seen. Colin's a very nice man, so I don't think I've ever seen him <laughs> react that way. I, I've got to. Uh, we always ask our medalists on the show. What do you do with the medals? Again, you've got a couple, so I don't know if maybe you can put one in each room of the house, maybe give one to each of your family members, nieces and nephews. You've got a few. Uh, I mean, do you have them in a special place, plan to put them somewhere at the moment or just kind of working what you're going to do with them? Um, I honestly just, like, keep them all in, like, this one. Like, we got a Samsung phone in 2016 and we got, like, a little box for the Samsung phone and I just keep them all in there and then when I have like friends over or something or just like if we're all like hanging out and like I remember I have them because I'll forget sometimes. Um, I'll just like pull them out and I'll be like, isn't this weird? Like there's no one else with this many medals right now in Canada. Like that's weird. My friends will just be like, that is really odd that that's how it is. You yeah, should it's do just that weird. at like Olympic meet and greets. Just like, oh, you've got one. You've got three. Oh, I've got seven. Isn't that weird? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to borrow one of mine? What's going to happen come Paris? You're going to need a couple new boxes. I know. How big well, is this box? It's honestly, it's literally like, it's tiny. It's like this big. And I just shoved them all in there. <laughs> wow. Uh, before we get to our final series of questions that we teased, uh, I do have to ask, uh, you're, recently, uh, I guess, recovering from an injury? Are you getting back in the pool? Are you starting to train again? How far are we away from uh, being able to compete again? Um, Competing, I'm honestly not sure, but I think I'm like a little bit ahead of schedule from what my doctors told me. Um, I'm, I'm honestly just taking it day by day. I'm not trying to rush anything. I've never had like a surgery before. So just like I did two weeks where I did nothing and that was a lot for me. And then I started working out and now I'm like getting back in the pool slowly. So I'm training like three, four times a week right now, just doing like pull and it's fun. It's fun. Kind of just like 
literally having to like start from the beginning and work my way from there. And Mount Kilimanjaro is still a goal then once things are recovered. <laughs> yeah, I really, really, I'm trying to go next year. I think um, this like charity I'm with, they go every year. So hopefully next year I'll be able to go. And um, it's something that I really want to do. I've got a, two quick things before we get to the questions I want to touch on. The first is the gifts that you like to buy for your mum and dad when you're away, uh, Starbucks mugs for your mum, Hawaiian yes. shirts for your dad. How, how did this start? And, I mean, how many do they have? You, you barely even remember where you've travelled, Penny. I can't imagine they don't have boxes filled with these. Um, I had to slow down on the Hawaiian shirts. My dad absolutely kind of hated them. So he was like, <laughs> please stop bringing home. So I, I stopped that. Um Maybe if but, you took them to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> I think that's all they really want from me at this point. But um, the Starbucks mugs, I'll get them here and there. I just tend to overpack. So sometimes <laughs> I just don't have space for a whole mug in my suitcase right now. Wow, wow. The, the other one i got to ask, um, the grey blankie, is this still a good luck yeah. charm? Do you still take that with you? Unfortunately, no. I, I need to... I don't know what my good luck charm is anymore. My your dog. dog. You can take dog. your dog with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly have like asked Team Canada. I'm like, can I bring my dogs with me or no? Yeah. Surely no, they can't say no to you now, though. Surely you just pull out the medals. Um, guys, seven. You can say yes yeah. to me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 2024. You'll see my two dogs there. <laughs> I think we'd be That's- on board with that. That's what you get awarded when you hit double digits for medals. It's never happened before, but you get to be the first person to bring your dog everywhere yeah. in the pool, yeah, even. That, that'd be nice. <laughs> I'm gonna ask just with the blank. Like, how did that come about, and, and why do you no longer take it with you? It was just kind of something I brought, like just to have something from home with me for a while, and then um, eventually I moved away from home and. I don't know where that blanket. I mean, I'm sure my mom still has it somewhere, but it's going yeah, in the Penny Alexia Museum yeah. one day. Come on, this is <laughs> oh, going to be yeah. fun. Center. That's like her basement right now is just like suitcases of random things from meats. <laughs> but not not coffee mugs when you can't when you can't fit them anymore. Yeah. Sadly, just Olympic medals. Mom, I brought you an Olympic medal. Will you accept this? I know, not as exciting. <laughs> Now, uh, the final set of questions we have, there's a chance you actually did this because this is something that was originated uh, on the Olympic.ca website uh, back in Rio, but you're not on there. Obviously, they didn't have that high expectations, Uh, but uh, basically what it is is a series of questions that uh, the athletes fill out in their own handwriting. Um, Some of it involves pictures, which we've had a couple guests who have been willing to submit pictures to us, some drawings. Uh, You're free to do that. But uh, this might have been something, you know, we're, we're going to be using Emily Overholtz here, which uh, we've actually had a couple people, I guess, blow the lid on the fact that Emily Overholt had help with hers. And we've discovered that the handwriting changes halfway through. So if you ever talk to her, maybe you can get the answer if she even answered yeah. any of these questions herself. Uh, but uh, I'll start with the first question here. Uh, so the greatest Olympian of all time is. Um, is this like personal preference? It You're can, personal. Yeah. Okay. Um. Honestly, 
I, I, I'm like obsessed with Naomi Osaka. So like she's an Olympian oh. as well, I think. So I'll give it to her. <laughs> you're obviously a bit of a tennis fan. So you're a bit of friends with Bianca now going courtside to the yeah. Raptors. I mean, God, that that's not bad. US Open champion, uh, Olympic Tweeted champion. Tweeted by Drake. Tweeted by Drake. <laughs> Has Justin Bieber been in contact? I mean, we're just ticking all the, oh, the Canadian no icons way. off. <laughs> well, he's a big listener to this show, Penny. I'm sure he will after this. So, um, you know, we'll just, we'll just get him out there. Uh, we've, you've answered this one, so we'll skip this one the first olympics you remember watching um your favorite ice cream flavor is um i'm a diehard like mint chip girl Ooh. i mean it's controversial i feel like oh, i think that's that's <laughs> a good choice i just discovered that that's controversial because like i love mint chocolate and every yeah. time my wife buys it she's like i'm buying this for you because i hate it i'm like who hates mint chocolate but apparently a lot yeah. of people I know. I also found that out recently. It's <laughs> great. I don't see why it's bad. Uh, this one I like because swimming's now got the the big intros when you get to come out there, which has to be fun for the athletes. But uh, if you're a baseball player, your walk up music would be um probably something Drake. I'm just knowing myself, <laughs> Drake. I at trials we're allowed to like pick a song if you're the first seed going into finals and. Um, a lot of the time they'll tell me no, just because like my music is a little bit explicit, but um, I, I like Drake a lot. <laughs> he could be singing live for you now that you're besties. He could be out there yeah. on the pool deck, basically. Have you so you've, have not met him yet? Like, is this kind of a thing maybe that uh, now that he's tweeting you that it's like a front row seat to his concert or something you're trying to swindle? Um, I've gone to like a few of his concerts and I mean, I'm, always like i feel like around people that he's around but no i'm not not yet come on drake let's let's just start simple drake if you're listening at least give her the box sets for the first few seasons of degrassi just yeah. start with that and we'll work up from there <laughs> i'm surprised you're not exactly. courtside at the raptors he's not next to you like was that one of the ones he missed maybe you're not too sure uh in a movie yeah. about your life who would play you Oh my goodness. I have no idea. I don't know. I feel like I'd be open to whoever. I, I'm not a big movie buff. I'm, you know what I'm, I'm thinking, and this is a bit left of field, but bear with me here because it's also got the Australian connection. Margot Robbie. I think Margot Robbie, there's got a bit of facial similarities there that I could probably see. That's a huge compliment. It's, 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 I've got I'll to be biased for Australia as well. But, uh, I mean, that's, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just putting that. Margot, big listen to the show as well. All the yeah. celebrities love off the podium. So. Yeah. Everyone listens. Yeah. Uh, the next one, feel free to submit this if you want. As I said, I've had a couple of guests who have. Drawing a picture of a Canadian animal. This is so if you ridiculous. have a favorite Canadian animal, <laughs> feel free to submit it later. But uh, next prop. You can't do worse than Emily. I'm saying, Penny, Emily's drawing of a moose here is ridiculous. It looks well, like a moose with a skull. If that's even Emily, as we've heard. <laughs> no. uh, next proper question, my guilty pleasure snack is... Oh my goodness. New newest thing that's been my guilty pleasure snack is um salt and vinegar pistachios. Ooh. I've Ooh. been like obsessed. I eat them literally by the bag. I have to buy like five bags because I'll <laughs> eat one a day. It's bad. That sounds good. Can't say I've tried yeah. those. That, I'll put that on the list. Um, what is the most recent TV show that you binge watched? I tried to binge watch the Jeffrey Dahmer show. Um, but I only got three episodes in and I, I'm, I get really scared easily. So I, I, and I also live alone, so I'm not trying to 
watch too much of that. Yeah, probably not the best one of those to watch by yourself. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I am going to tell you, you, you have to compete with uh, Emily or let's put in quotes, Emily's answer this next one because it is it. pretty epic. But uh, we'll get your answer first. Your biggest fear in life is? Biggest fear in life is open water and mascots are my two biggest fears. <laughs> mascots. Nice. Yeah. Wow. What is it about mascots you don't like? Everything. No. Everything. <laughs> so you're never going to go to like a San Jose Sharks match if they've got a mascot that's a shark, open water mixed with no. a mascot. That's like a nightmare. Yeah. I've never thought of that. Now I'm definitely never doing that. You're welcome, San Jose, if you're listening. Uh, Emily's answer for this is waking up with a spider on my face. <laughs> Um, which I did like that this morning. I'm in Australia, right? That just, that just happened. Yeah. I've got to ask open water. Like, what is it about that? You don't often hear swimmers being afraid of something to do with water. Yeah. I'm, I freeze up. I can't breathe when I'm in open water. It's insane. Um, I just hate the thought of a shark in any body of water, whether, even if I'm in a pool on my own, I think about how many sharks could fit in this pool. <laughs> <laughs> You've been swimming in Australia, I can tell. That's uh, yeah. a common thing we have. There is actually, I'll give you a, a funny, fearful thing for you to think about, Penny. There is a, a natural swimming pool on a beach in Sydney, basically, that's right on the water. And there was like a big wave one time and a shark did end up in that swimming pool pool so yeah yeah i don't think i don't think i'd be there yeah no, i'm just i'm just scaring penny away from ever coming <laughs> on the show ever again and coming to australia um what is one thing that you can't live without um honestly dogs i like my family has six or seven dogs right wow. now i don't even know one we for every medal Basically. Exactly. I'm going to start <laughs> saying that to my mom now because they're telling me I can't have dogs. <laughs> that's, that's the condition. Like, mom, every time I win a medal at the Olympics, we have to get another dog. Like, that's, <laughs> that's really good. I like that idea. I want to ask one more question because it's not on the list. Oh, I was going to have one more. Are you, at least on the list, well, you, you are, go first. Well, I was going to. Well, maybe, it might even be the same question. Maybe I it's was... the same one. For the first time, Colin and I didn't wear the same shirt today. So maybe we're not thinking the same. I don't know. Um, I want to ask this purely on the fact that. I, I know that your brother plays for different teams over the years, so I don't know if you have one team you specifically support. But growing up, who was your childhood team that you went for? And, and who's your NHL team? Do you have to go for whoever Jamie plays for? Um, I honestly, I don't have to. I feel I, I like to rep Seattle, but, I mean, I'm also a Toronto girl. so There you go, I, Colin. I, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Winnipeg and I go for Toronto. <laughs> Yay, I love it. <laughs> Is that your question, uh, Colin? I, Did I steal your no, question? No, it wasn't my okay, question. Right. I was actually going to say, when you mentioned about all the dogs and everything, it got me thinking. One of the questions Ben often asks me, because I have a six-year-old and we got twins that are three, and he says, you have to be honest, do you have a favorite child? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, my favorite, my favorite child is whoever's quietest, that's it. That's my answer. But I have to ask, you've had seven medals. Can you narrow down which one, favorite, favorite win, favorite medal, anything like that? Oh, favorite win... I feel like it was the four by one women's in 2016. That was just like crazy. Just cause those girls like raised me over like a few years and helped me with like <laughs> high school and everything. So that one was like really, really special for me. And who's your favorite dog? Oh my goodness. 
I don't know. We have too many. I don't even know. They're not listening the pennies. You're you're <laughs> the, allowed the, to. <laughs> the favorite dog's now been renamed to Four by One Hundred Relay, though, just to match yeah. that. <laughs> I, I like the fact that you name your cat Rio. So, like, does each of your dogs hold like Four by One, Four by Two, Hundred Meter Free? Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, this dog is named Cujo after uh, the movie. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so they all. Somebody else have to watch yourself later. So night. <laughs> how does that work? If you're afraid of watching Dharma, you call your dog Cujo. Is your next dog going to be called Jeffrey Dharma? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Honestly, I might. That's a that's a good. Yeah, that could work. All the ideas on the show, Penny. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. That. Uh, you you said you're you know not the best with social media, but if people do want to follow you, where can they follow you? Where can they follow you up Mount Kilimanjaro or back yeah. onto uh, the the road to Paris? Um, my social team hates this, but I literally have a different name on every social platform. So I feel <laughs> like if you just search Penny Lexi, I can like Google, you'll find something. Um, <laughs> and then follow me there. Um, all I use is Instagram, honestly, but typical pen on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out here. If you ever do compete again in Winnipeg, I am gonna make a custom athlete of the day trophy from off the podium in the shape oh of goodness. a chair, and <laughs> yeah. you can add that to your collection. That will be that will be the favorite medal win going forward. I would I would love that. Thank That's you. the only incentive to go to Winnipeg, actually. So now exactly. you're like, hey, Winnipeg, <laughs> I might go. <laughs> It's, it's pretty nice over there, right? <laughs> uh, Penny, it's been a joy having you on here. It's been six years in, in the waiting for us and uh, definitely appreciate you coming on the show and we'll love to have you back on after Paris. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much. And thank you so much to Penny for joining us here on the show and we are dancing still because we're excited. And we got lots of great can, stuff coming We can out. dance now because people in the video, if you want to see the video of that, of course, <laughs> you can watch right. it, but they're not seeing us now. Um, but, I mean, yeah, great Be chat. Thankful we're not dancing. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic and chat. You know what? I, I was going to say one of the things that I have found so so great about Penny is that you get athletes on, especially with the Canadian athletes. You know, I'm not saying she's not polite. She is very much your polite Canadian. But polite Canadians often, they don't want to admit that it's like, yeah, I want to win. Like I want to win. Like she is, she owns being super competitive and it's actually pretty rare on the show that we get these athletes who own up to the fact, I have to imagine you have to be super competitive to be able to perform in the Olympics. And I, I love the fact that, yeah, as I said in that interview, the most Canadian thing ever, you can get tweeted by the prime minister, but who gives a shit? Drake <laughs> tweeted me. Um, I mean, I love that, but yeah, I, I just, the constant fact that she just kept forgetting how many medals. Oh yeah, that medal, that one. That was, you know, like uh, it's it's crazy to think. But such a great chat and a great insight because I think the the best thing about Penny is that she's just so down to earth. She's just so mm. grounded that she was talking about sort of being in Wonderland as a sixteen year old, having won just four medals, and people are like, oh, you look like that girl. Like. I, she's a household name, obviously, for Canadians and a lot of people outside of Canada too. But I can imagine she's the type of person that you could just walk past in the street and not realise mm -hmm. it. Whereas Andre de Grasse, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more like, hey, that's Andre de Grasse. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to think that. But, uh, yeah, a fantastic chat. And I just I just want to send a special shout out too to a manager for arranging that because uh, obviously mm -hmm. we're very appreciative that we were able to get Penny on the show and uh, definitely a person we've been wanting to get on for a long time. And we've done it, Colin. We've done it. We've done it. That's it. Show's over. That's it. We can't top it. No. Well, maybe we can because, Ben, we got something exciting coming up because we're going to be taking a break from interviews. This was your headliner. 
And now we're going to move on to something else. We're going to move on to the sequel, Act 2, whatever you want to call it. We got something exciting coming up because there's something else big happening in the sports world. Very big. Uh, we on this show like to pre-record a lot of our chats. And I will say this right now that uh, we've recorded this chat only a few weeks ago, whereas a lot of the interviews you're going to be hearing over the coming months, we've recorded months in advance. But we wanted to put this one out there just before we get into a bit of a break because for the next five or six weeks, we are doing something that we've never done. This is actually going to be the longest coverage we've ever done because generally for an Olympics, we're doing it daily and that's over a course of 16 days. So 16 days, you're done with. This is obviously a little bit bigger. It is the World Cup. You just know it as the World Cup. It's like Madonna. You just know it by something. <laughs> you know what we're talking about is the Men's Soccer World Cup starts in Qatar. And given that we have a variety of interests in this, because Australia has made it again, Canada for the first time since 1986 are in it. So there's a bit to talk about. I'm a big Germany fan. Colin likes... Morocco, I don't know. Um, and Jared's a, a massive South Korea fan. So I, I guess we've all got different bases covered. But I am so excited that the time is finally here because it it does feel like it's been a long time. It's every four years. But given we generally get it in the middle of the year, and this is a unique World Cup on many levels, we've got it now at the end of the year. But we're here. So next week we're going to have a preview episode, which I'm more excited for that than I've been in a long time because I'm going to grill you and Jared. I've, I've grilled you both on World Cups before, but this is going to be a, a an hour-long grill Colin and Jared on their World Cup knowledge. And then each week we will bring you a review of the week's action leading right up until the final. And then uh, basically two days before Christmas – We'll bring you a wrap-up. We'll wish you Merry Christmas. Go, yay, Germany won the World Cup, and then move on to bigger and better things outside of that. But are you pumped, Colin? I, I keep asking this every time we talk about the World Cup. But, like, again, I just need to get that gauge of you how you're feeling for this World Cup. I'm pumped. I uh, I have to find out where it's being covered here in Canada. I know it's going to be covered. I'm just hoping I don't have to pay a fortune for it because I canceled my cable recently. So it's not going to be, well, I was going to say it's not going to be free because it's not on my cable, but I would have paid for cable. But uh, I'll have to find alternate means to pay for it. But I am excited because I haven't really followed a World Cup since, I mean, I was really too young to know much about it but to the the 94 one we mentioned that was uh that was such a big deal here that uh, everybody was watching it and uh, you know kind of glanced at it here and there since then uh, i remember my work doing like a uh, a uh, world cup event or whatever and one of the things was you know come with a, a jersey or a shirt of your country and you know i have a shirt that i no longer am allowed to wear because my family's from russia and <laughs> i wore a russian jersey i still have it I mean, I may wear that in protest. I'll be wearing my Russian jersey during the World Cup. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I'm getting pumped. I'm very pumped. I am so excited to hear all these stories. And the, the great thing for Australia, I will say, is that the last World Cup was a bit of a farce in terms of the coverage because they shared it between the free-to-air network that always airs it here, our multicultural network called SBS, the home of soccer. And for whatever reason, they sold half the games to a pay TV company, which is basically Australia's, you know, phone service. And it was rubbish. It, it didn't work. People paid all this. I paid like 20 bucks for it and it didn't work all the time. So it was ridiculous. But this time around, SBS are the pure broadcaster, completely free. And I am I am pumped that we're all on free. And I will say too that at least at the time of recording this, we may have in between now and next week a special episode featuring maybe a, an expert or two from SBS joining us on the show to talk about the World Cup. So stay tuned for that. Uh, by the way, I just found that TSN will be covering it here in Canada. Ah, there you so go. that's going to cost me the maximum amount of money. Um, but <laughs> Colin, I'll be worrying about the money. Oh, God, I've got to pay to do off the podium. Oh, here we go. 
Well, I got a trophy to make now. I got to make a chair into a trophy. It's going to cost a lot of money. You got to uh, do is, that. Is, you have to I do will. That. I 100% will. Um, SBS, remind me, is that the one that you said yes. will often air the dirty movies? <laughs> it is late the one as a, as, a, as a teenage boy, most teenage boys in Australia, I'm sure some teenage girls too, uh, in the days before the internet, uh, if we wanted to look at certain clips to put us to sleep, uh, we would watch SBS after a certain time on a Friday and Saturday night. Yes, it is the one. Ah, okay. Yes. I mean, they're really going for like the most prestigious, honorable network there is. They're actually, um, in all seriousness, they're, they're a solid. I mean, we've got three commercials. And they're hiring too. There's they, no they, coincidence. Hey, there here. you go. Uh, three commercial networks in Australia and sort of two government ones. They're one of the government ones and they're, they're the least watched. They're the, you know, the, the forgotten about one. But. They're second to none with soccer coverage. They've always been the soccer network in Australia. So uh, absolutely, you're in good hands with SBS. We won't have the weekly, oh, what's Channel 7 doing segment uh, because SBS are no complaints here. And I'm not just saying this because we might have some people from SBS on the show in the next week. Seriously, they are a great network for soccer and there will be no complaints on this end from their coverage. So get pumped. Yeah. Be excited that you're getting it for free with some other content late at night in Australia and get excited that you're going to pay a lot of money here in Canada to watch it because World Cup is coming and so is our coverage. Um, then that'll take us, as Ben said, pretty much to Christmas and then Merry Early Christmas to everybody out there in case I somehow we will, miss it. We will say, I'll just, I'll add this to jump in there. We will have one more interview before the end of the year. So between Christmas and New Year, we have one more interview and it is with another Olympic champion in swimming that you may go gobbledygook for. That's all I'll say. Oh, that's right. Yes, gobbledygook's coming. All right. So, yes, we're going to have one more interview and World Cup coverage, and we're going to have a great Christmas, and I'm predicting all those things. Um, make sure to subscribe to us. You can, If you're listening to us right now, go over, check out YouTube. You can actually watch Penny, um, not watch me throw a chair. That wasn't recorded, but you can watch Penny listen to me throw a chair uh, and all the other fun stuff as well. Uh, follow us on social media. Um like Penny, just Google us. I don't know what our... <laughs> off the podium on all the... Well, the I usually do the closings here on this show because <laughs> Colin knows what to do. Just search for Off the Podium, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Not on TikTok yet. Maybe Not soon. TikTok yet. One day. Uh, until next time, uh, thank you for listening, Drake. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull. And as always, go left. Tell me, Jeff,